0: Matthew 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. How do we respond to uh, the tragedies that we have uh, witnessed recently, Manchester, London? Uh, The tragedies that we witness regularly from further afield, further uh, around our world with shock? Uh, with grief, sympathy for those who were perhaps directly caught up in these tragedies, for those who've uh, lost a loved one, perhaps a sense of anger that we live in such a world where there are these uh, moments of senseless inhumanity, hatred. And how do we respond as Christians, as those of us this morning, those of us who would say that we we love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ? How how should we respond? And I guess, well, all of the above. But also, with the Psalmist, do we not cry, "How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long before you establish your kingdom?" When Jesus encourages his followers to pray this prayer, and in particular looking at these words, your kingdom come, this is a plea, is it not, for God to come and sort out the mess and the messiness of our world. It is a prayer that asks God to establish his good rule, his way of life, that his rule, his way of life would be increasingly embraced, increasingly experienced. And increasingly expressed. It's a prayer that reminds us of two truths, well, at least two truths. First, there is no hung parliament in heaven. Uh, Jesus was raised to rule, uh, he is king, the world is in his hands, he is bringing his kingdom. But second, while Jesus' kingdom is unequaled, And while it is unstoppable, it is not yet unopposed. So when Jesus directs his followers to pray, your kingdom come, he's alerting us to the fact that we live in a world in which God's kingdom is not yet fully come, not yet fully established. Either in us as his followers or in the world around us. We know, don't we, that there are forces of darkness that oppose God's kingdom of light forces of hate that oppose God's kingdom of love, conflict that opposes God's kingdom of peace, despair that opposes God's kingdom of hope, lies that oppose God's kingdom of truth, sin that opposes God's kingdom of righteousness, and so on. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we are pleading with the Lord to establish his kingdom, to grow his kingdom of light in a way that increasingly displaces darkness. Of love, in a way that uh, increasingly displaces hate. Of peace, in a way that increasingly displaces uh, conflict. Of hope, in a way that increasingly displaces uh, despair. Of truth, that increasingly displaces lies. Of righteousness, that increasingly displaces sin. And there are two things in particular I want to say about this prayer this morning. The first is that this is a prayer of confidence. And the second is that this is a prayer of commitment. So here's the first. This is a prayer of confidence. Uh, last week, I think it was, or certainly recently, there was a concert held in um, Manchester by the artist at whose uh, original concert, the, the, the bomb in Manchester, took place. And she uh, organized a concert um, in response to it uh, in Manchester and invited lots of world-famous artists to come. And it was a wonderful uh, concert. I watched uh, a fair bit of it. Uh, And it was very moving. And there was this constant refrain that many of the artists picked up as they came onto stage. Uh, Many expressions like... um We must hold on to love, and love will win the day, and uh, love will conquer, and love is stronger than hate, and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, All of which was uh, wonderful, and was good, and was heartwarming. It is a sentiment that cuts with the grain of God's kingdom. That is, if you like, an expression of the image of God that we bear, all of us. But I couldn't help but think, as I reflected on that concert, as I was reflecting on this passage I wonder how many in the audience at that concert, I wonder how many of the artists on stage will have cause to reflect in the months and years to come and ask the question, how do we know? How do I know that love can conquer evil? How how do I know that love is stronger? What, what love? Whose love? How do I know that actually a different world is possible? That a different world could be built? Is this just wishful thinking? If we say it enough times that love is stronger than evil, that must make it true. The good news of Christianity part of the good news of Christianity is that we can know that love can conquer, that love is stronger. We can have this hope precisely because there is a love that has conquered. There is a love that is rolling back the forces of evil and darkness and lies and injustice. And it is a love that has taken flesh and dwelt among us 2,000 years ago in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can have this hope truly that there is a love that is stronger. Indeed, we can actively participate in this kingdom of love becoming a reality insofar as we look at Jesus where this love is made known and we embrace him and he empowers us to become a part of his kingdom, to embrace it, to experience it, to express it see Jesus came as a king and he came to bring in a new kingdom and the way he did it was he, he, he came to bring in a new kind of world by making possible a new kind of living do you remember Jesus um, opening words when he begun his public ministry back in Mark uh, chapter 1 you can read this verse 15 he said this the time has come he said the kingdom of God is at hand or has come near repent turn around And believe the good news. In other words, the kingdom of God has come near because I have come near. And wherever Jesus goes, we see what God's rule, what God's way of life looks like. And what we see is beautiful. We see a love that does turn lives upside down. We hear a truth that opens eyes. We see a grace that softens heart. We see forgiveness offered. We see healing. We see righteousness being made possible in the lives of people. We see in Jesus supremely what God's kingdom looks like. And it's the world we want. It's the world we, we cry out for. And we also, in Jesus, see him beginning to establish it as he calls people to follow him. As people turn around, as he forgives them, as he uh, sends his spirit at Pentecost on people so, such that they can begin to embrace and experience God's forgiveness and God's new way of life and have the power to live that new way of life and express life of God's kingdom. You see, in Jesus' death, we see that God's love is powerful enough to conquer sin. In his resurrection, we see that God's love is powerful enough to conquer death. In his ascension, we see that God's love is powerful enough to enthrone Jesus as king over all that opposes him. And at Pentecost, we see that God's powerful, life-transforming love is available to any and to all. It can fill our hearts. It can make us a part of this wonderful kingdom. So, the first thing I say is I want to say this is a prayer of confidence. This is not wishful thinking when we pray this prayer. It's grounded on historical reality and a future hope. One day Jesus will return, his resurrection guarantees that, and he will fully and finally establish this wonderful kingdom. And so, we pray this with a confident hope that God is working his kingdom out now and enlarging it, and one day he will return and fully and finally establish it. It's a prayer of confidence. But also, it is a prayer of commitment. See, Jesus built God's kingdom, didn't he, by calling people to repent and believe, by filling them with his spirit that they might begin to experience new kingdom life and live new kingdom life. And friends, that is still the way he is building his kingdom today and that means that when we pray your kingdom come this is not a passive prayer when we pray it we are committing ourselves to participate in God's program of kingdom growth kingdom growth in two ways first in us and secondly through us so first in us you know friends before this is a prayer for God to transform others this is a prayer for God to continue to transform us, isn't it? In fact, as we'll see, those two things, God's transformation of us and our ability to, uh, to hold God's kingdom out to others are, are related. But we don't need to look at the TV and the world outside to know that God's kingdom has not yet fully come. A cursory look at our own hearts and our own lives uh, and we see that God's kingdom has broken in. We have God's forgiveness. We have his spirit. We're beginning to express God's ways and God's will. But we know it's a battle, and we know sometimes we don't. And this is a prayer for God to continually grow his kingdom in us. It's a plea for God to continually be transforming me. I read this recently in an article about um, our words the words that we speak and what they sort of say about us and what's going on in our hearts. And I found it very helpful, particularly in the light of this prayer. Let me read it to you. The, uh, the person said this. If I sat with you and I listened to a recording of the last month of your words, whose kingdom, what kingdom, would I conclude that those words are spoken to serve? Would it be the kingdom of self, with its self-focused demandingness, expectancy and entitlement, Would I hear a person who is quick to criticize, quick to judge, quick to slam, quick to condemn, because people are always violating the laws of your kingdom? Is the greatest moral offense in your life an offense that someone makes against the laws of your kingdom? And when that happens, do you use words as a punishment or a weapon? Or would I hear you using words of love, honesty, and encouragement, and service? Because your heart is taken up with the big sky purposes of the kingdom of God. That's a real challenge to me as I thought about the way that I speak. Whose kingdom am I expressing? The kingdom of self or the kingdom of God? And what is true here of words can be applied to all sorts of ways. uh, All sorts of areas of life. When I pray your kingdom come, I'm asking God to give me the power to increasingly submit to his will and his way of life for me. I'm saying, Father, help me to be increasingly taken up and guided by and shaped by and motivated by the priorities and the values and the life of your kingdom and put this kingdom of self that still clings to me to death. Make me more like Jesus, is essentially what I'm praying. Make me a person of light. Grace and truth and love and forgiveness and service and all the rest and friends, do you see it as, as we increasingly embrace and express god 's kingdom way of life, not only do we mature as god 's people as we become more like Jesus, but we increasingly model god 's kingdom to a watching world, and that creates opportunities for us to enlarge it. Your kingdom come in us. And your kingdom come through us. You see, how is God advancing his kingdom? He is doing it, or one of the principal ways he is doing it, is as he appoints his church, us, to be his ambassadors. And like any ambassador, the job of the church is to represent the values of and to speak for the king and his kingdom. We are, says Paul in 2 Corinthians, ambassadors for Christ in the run-up to the election, I read this in an article. It said, all peoples, institutions and groups are interested in changing, renewing or transforming society by impressing their core values on the culture. And of course, that's right, that's exactly what the election is all about. Isn't that exactly what the, um, the political manifestos that were posted through your door, that's what they were all about. What you get there is an outline of the core values and principles and priorities of that particular candidate, that particular party, and how, therefore, they're going to try to impress them on society, on our nation, and therefore what our nation will start to look like. The scriptures are God's kingdom manifesto. And we are, as his people, to be models of that manifesto. If you like, living embodiments of that manifesto. As spirit-filled followers of Jesus, you see, we carry him with us. We, we present him as we live changed lives that model the values and the priorities and the vision of the kingdom of God. And as we seek to be his mouthpiece. Uh, a year ago or so uh, in house groups we looked at a a course called fruitfulness on the front line some of you will remember it it was written by the um, london institute of contemporary christianity it was a great course and one of the great things about it was is that it reminded us of how we can on our own front line be that school or work or leisure or wherever it is we spend the majority of our time day by day week by week how we can model god's kingdom life how we can be the embodiments of God's kingdom. We can do it by modeling godly character and showing people how God's spirit shapes uh, his people. We can do it by making good work because of course God is a worker, he's a creator God. And so as we model good uh, work, we reflect something of him. We can do it by ministering grace and love. We can do it by seeking to mold culture and standing up for uh, justice in the place of injustice. We can be mouthpieces for truth. There are 101 ways that we can, as we are shaped by Jesus, express the values and the priorities and the vision of his kingdom. And as we do that, you see, we give the world a glimpse of what God's kingdom looks like and what God's kingdom that he's building looks like and the kingdom that he is one day going to return and fully establish, what that looks like. We show how all of life, Our business life, our family life, our leisure life, uh, how we do our art, how we do our culture, how we do whatever it is that we do, how that can be healed and transformed and rewoven by the Lord Jesus Christ. We offer a glimpse of the kingdom like a movie trailer offers a glimpse of the forthcoming movie. And as we do that, So we'll find opportunities arise to speak about the Lord Jesus. Opportunities will arise to speak about why we do what we do, why we live like we live, why we think like we think, why we speak like we speak, why we love like we love, why we serve like we serve, and so on. Opportunities to speak of the Lord Jesus and the difference he's making in our lives and how he's establishing his kingdom. The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news that is still jesus's message and now he speaks it through us his ambassadors and it is a message of hope to our world isn't it it is good news his kingdom of light and life and truth and justice and hope and all those things it is near it is there available in the lord jesus christ he is Working it out through his people. This is not wishful thinking. This is not pie in the sky. It's been modeled and made available by Jesus. And to embrace it and to experience it and to play our part in expressing it and enlarging it in our world, we just need to admit that we are part of the brokenness of our world. That ultimately the solution uh, for our world does not come from within but from without, from the Lord God. And so, to use the words of Jesus, to repent, to turn around, to embrace the Lord Jesus and the forgiveness and the new way of life and the power to live that new way of life. To lay down the kingdom of self and surrender to the kingdom of God, his good will and his good ways. I hope you see that this is a prayer of high stakes if we uh, want to be changed by God, and to uh, continue to be changed by God, and to continue to take on his life-changing, world-changing agenda, then this is the prayer for us. This is the prayer to pray. But let's know what it is that we're praying when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are praying for nothing less than the total surrender to the good ways and the good will of God praying for us to increasingly put the kingdom of self to death that we might live for the kingdom of God, to continually embrace and experience and express it. And, of course, that is the route to life and life in all its fullness. As we lay down our lives in service to God, so God is pleased to give us life and life in all its fullness. So, friends, let us close by praying these words, let me pray them for us and you echo them in your heart if this is a prayer for you. So Heavenly Father, as uh, your people gathered this morning, we pray this, your kingdom come in us, through us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh